Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. This audio edition is created in conjunction with partners as part of our Market Voice series. Well, about a year ago, SCA leapt into the unknown, all but betting the media house launching its listener streaming platform that bundled podcasts with broadcast radio brands, content live streaming, and new music formats via a logged-in, personalised streaming service. Perhaps betting the house is a little melodramatic, but it was a very big move by SEA to walk the talk on becoming a digital media tech and data company. And there was fierce debate within the company about whether this listener thing was going to work. So one year on from that broadcast to digital moment, we've got SCA's CEO, Grant Blackley, and Chief Sales Officer Brian Gallagher back in the listener studio to see if their roll of the dice worked. Now, they are smiling, so I suspect something has Hopefully, Grant and Brian will talk numbers. We like, I like numbers, but along with iterations and a broadening suite of new features and functions to listener over the past year, SCA has been busy taking equity stakes and striking alliances with a bunch of firms in AI, personalization and advanced advertising formats, including real-time creative capabilities. And yes, SCA has just done a deal for a CDP or a single customer data platform for however many million users SCA has signed up to listener. And I hope we're about to find that out. But before all that, let's get to the question I at least am busting to know. Did the listener platform land with the people? And what are the numbers? Grant Blackley, welcome. I'm sure you'd say that's an insightful question. Uh, I'm hoping for an insightful answer. Is listener working for SCA and your listeners? And um, what are the numbers after year one look like? Welcome, Grant. Well, thank you. And uh, nice to get right into the bread and butter of it. Straight away. Immediately. uh, We are absolutely delighted with the journey that we've been on, which has effectively been a four-year journey. Um, from the first inception of Podcast One uh, right through to the launch this time last year of Listener. And the Listener numbers, we had very high expectations. Um, We had to change uh, and transform the business. We had to adjust the way in which we positioned Listener versus uh, where Podcast One was. And we had to put Listener in the middle of the business. Uh, It's not an adjunct. It's not outside of the business. It had to be right in the centre of SCA. And it was beyond podcasting, right? Enormously beyond podcasting. You know, we have 99 radio stations um, that operate. Uh, We've developed um, 25 new music stations. So in enveloping all of that, we had to put all of that, 99 radio stations, 25 music stations, 108 podcasts, let alone news, sport and information, on top of that, and bring it into a single destination called Listener. And the House of Listener, I can tell you we are delighted. We've had 14 million streams over the course of the last 11 months. And we're nearing uh, and uh, accelerating at pace, I can assure you, to what is 500,000 signed-in users uh, as we stand today. So we're absolutely delighted with that outcome. It's gaining momentum and gravitas uh, on a daily basis We've just come out of a season where, with the product from Cricket Australia, we fundamentally broadcast cricket across our metro network. We didn't have the rights in the regions. We only had the rights on an Australia-wide basis 
therefore an exclusive right for streaming in the regions. And all of those people in the regions lent in uh, to get their daily serve of, of cricket and that accelerated the numbers most recently. So there's a lot of things to talk mm. about today, but it was, it has been a long journey. Listener is performing to the plan that we originally put forward, and I'd have to argue it's actually exceeding our expectations. There was a little bit of nervousness in and around the company about doing this, whether people would sign up and log in. Um, what was the nature of that conversation? It would have been robust and, and um, in, in terms of where it was going to land, how it was going to land. With any innovation uh, comes questioning, comes uh, denial, comes concern, um, and comes opportunity. So Listener is an innovative product. It's a new product. We hadn't seen this being developed and deployed anywhere else in the world uh, of note, and I think we spoke about that mm. this time last year. So without without doubt, there had to be questioning, and we questioned, our, questioned ourselves. We had a very clear strategy, but we wanted to question and iterate along the way to actually develop a, a better product. So I don't think the questioning should ever stop. I don't think the questioning ever will. But what is very clear is that our people across 65 offices now see Listener as the centrepiece of which our digital audio ambitions and our digital transformation will come alive. So to that end, we are united as one, um, but we will not stop the questioning, the iterating, the developing of this product, whether it be the technological prowess of the product, whether it be the depth of content or the way in which we market it. All of those things should continually be addressed uh, on a regular basis and re-examine to make sure that we've got the right trajectory and the right momentum and the right product offering for our consumer set. Well, it's like publishing, isn't it? It's perpetual reinvention. Yeah, sorry, Betty. Yeah, I just want to add to that because, I mean, you know, you, you frame that question um, about the internal kind of questioning of the strategy, and I think there was a lot less of that internally than there was externally because externally, not knowing the business that we have, not knowing that we already had all of our stations on apps and we had a wealth of data to tell us what, you know, consumers really wanted to do. And we had Podcast One, which was a brand that we didn't like own for ourselves. It was a a brand that we'd licensed in. So we had data there as well. So as we developed the strategy over 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 time, internally, the the leap to go from what we were doing to what we launched with listener was far less than what the outside perception of that leap was. Right. It was always a calculated risk, but through that calculated risk on a sort of economic basis, there's no question on your point that we had to look at behavioural traits and the way people did embrace the product internally and then accept it externally. Mm. So that's been a, a very strong positive learning for us. And I don't think we do too much different in this past 12 months. It's a rewiring of a essentially a broadcast mindset inside the company to sort of a digital a digital focus, right? I'm assuming that's part of what was going, going no on. No question. And we have to embed within all of our content teams a digital first publishing model. And in doing that, that's not the way that people have been wired in radio for the last 40 years. Mm. So we had to change that. We had to provide clear examples. We had to then take those examples and develop upon them. We had to look outside of the talent set that we already owned and bring new talent in. And we had to then couple those people with established talent. So we've done all of that and we've, we have a very uh, open appetite to success and failure. And on the way through, we're enjoying, thankfully, uh, more success than failure. But we learn from those failures and we actually improve again. And I think that's the beauty of the model that we've got is that the momentum is driving momentum. 
um, and that is getting to a scalable position, which is getting the attention of the market, and that there are others now joining in the marketplace to build a marketplace. And the gravitas of that is creating a very viable market that is becoming more substantial. And therefore, from Brian's perspective, the monetization of this asset, which will always lag consumption in the first instance, is now starting to gather pace. Yeah, and we'll get to that. On that talent and content grant, any surprises since you've launched Listener uh, in the last 12 months in terms of content that broke out, stuff that you didn't expect, behavior amongst your uh, users, Listener users, any surprises there? Some of the surprises, I think, uh, firstly, we talk about the house of Listener and remembering that we were developing this product off the back of a podcast uh, product, essentially. So within the house of Listener, the, you know, uh, the room on the first left was all about a a uh, well-constructed premium Australian content suite of 100 podcasters, and we built a very viable business. In the next room along, down the corridor were 99 radio stations uh, that were being streamed through our hit and triple M apps that came into play. And what we're finding is, over time, is that the people who's, who are true podcasters and they're loyal to that podcasting activity, they said, I don't want to listen to radio. Um, I actually want to listen to podcasts and I want to oscillate within that room. They're walking out of that room down the corridor and what they're now doing is engaging more with radio than they ever did before. Because it's there. Because it's there, it's easy to find, it's curated and personalised and they're actually saying, yeah, I can actually take my daily feed of podcasting but I'm actually going to you know, inject a bit of radio that I haven't listened to for a few years and vice versa. Mm. You have people in radio who have said, I'm not really sure what this podcasting thing is. And fundamentally, they are walking back down, uh, you know, back down into that other room and saying, I like what I'm hearing. I want it as part of my daily feed. And one is feeding off the other, mm. which then is coming across when you have exclusive rights or streaming rights in a digital capacity and anytime, anywhere approach in the true sense of the word to listen to cricket, AFL and NRL. All of those things which are high engagement loyalists are coming in and they're finding things that they like and they're finding a podcast they like. They like. They might find a Triple M station outside of their normal remit or geography that they also like mm. or a national program. And so we have a virtual circle of interest um, that continues to circulate. And that's been surprising at how quickly that has occurred. Brian Gallagher, Grant's talked about uh, monetization. This is your baby. Um, before we get into that uh, and how the market's responding, uh, both from agencies and advertisers, interestingly, SCA's been taking stakes in a bunch of technologies. Um, run us through that. Why and what are they for? Because it's a, it's a, I guess it's not a side hustle. It's very core to what you're doing. Yeah, look, you know, we've taken the view to actually build the app and the entire ecosystem of listener in-house, you know, from the consumer-facing app itself, which, you know, um, not everybody around the world's chosen to do that or take that approach. And that gives us, you know, control over how we iterate and how we respond to consumers and how they want to operate in the system. So that's, that's kind of a leading philosophy about what we're doing. And then naturally, you're going to want to follow that up in the ad tech space. And so we're breaking new ground. So do we know absolutely what audio advertising is going to look like in the next five years? If we don't, we're making it up as we go along. So we're going to get into build. Yeah. So there's all sorts of 
um, companies out there that we've sort of been engaging with and they do all sorts of different things for us. Um, so for example, we've got technology now that can help us make sense of the CDP. So we can help us really get very granular, uh, insight into what consumers are listening to, why they're listening. What the else CDP listen being to, the customer uh, the data, customer platform. data yep. platform. So you need tools on top of that that give you extra, extra oomph yes. in terms of how you're making decisions about marketing, programming and selling. Mm. And then we've got tools that transcribe our audio into metadata for improved search. Right. Um, so that, you know, if we want to kind of run a search campaign on certain content, uh, we know that we're populating the interwebs with the, you know, with the right metadata t- to be found. Um, then we've got things like, uh, you know, number eight, which um, help us figure out um, in real time in ad serving the orientation of a mobile phone um, so that we know whether someone's sleeping, jogging, eating, or what they're doing without any kind of breach of um, any, any personalization issues. And but how does that apply? That means that, you know, if we know that somebody's running, we're going to do, we're going to do the Rebel Sport Nike um, sale offer uh, in that moment. And you can personalize it down to that level. If, if, 100%. If right. and, and, and I think that's actually the great um, kind of um, message that, you know, we've got to work a little bit harder on on pushing out into the marketplace. And we will be doing that this year, which is that the mobilization of audio is kind of like one of the ultimate advertising tools. And so the kind of developments that we're seeking in the ad tech space are there to reinforce that. So another example is the investment we recently made in frequency. Now, frequencies. Um, not just a tool for kind of driving ads, um, uh, you know, on, on online and mobile. It's a tool that we can use for broadcast as well. And it takes um, very simple layers of data like the weather or the sporting results and allows us to kind of trigger um, broadcast ad changes in real time or mobile or online or digital ad changes in, in real time. So, we can have um, a client that wants to make any number of different offers. They might want to make them um, on the basis of um, geolocation or on the basis of what temperature the air, the air temperature is outside or whether it's raining or whether it's dry. Um, and so frequency allows us to do that across all of our platforms. And I guess there's more which you're not going to tell me about yet, but there's more coming, I assume. Yeah, and there has to be. And this is going to be constant, ongoing and rolling because, as I said before, the beauty or the excitement in this industry now for me is that we haven't figured it out yet. We're, it's, a, it's a constant. We're redefining um, audio advertising and in many ways redefining mm. advertising. And I'm Absolutely loving that. Uh, uh, it's it's open source, if you like. There's no rules. There's no yeah, rules well, on this. And I think just to be clear, we've made equity investments in three organisations since we last spoke last year, which is Sonnet, Source AI and Frequency. And Brian also mentioned Number 8, which we've partnered with, uh, alongside Salesforce. For the CDP, for the customer for the data CDP. platform. Yep. So to that end, you know, you've got a collection of five different groups that we're working with, gaining intelligence from that group to enrich the product of Listener, and let it evolve. We actually upgrade the Listener experience at a technical level uh, with upgrades every two weeks and every sixth week is a major upgrade. So it's a continued evolution to continually improve and embed new technology into Listener to make it more viable and more valuable to a consumer. And just to be clear here, you, you have built this internally, right? The, the temptation for many companies is to go and get a, a an off-the-shelf product or outsource to somewhere else. This is an internal build. That's absolutely correct. So it took us the best part of three years of planning, one year of development across around 120 uh, people in 15 different locations. 
uh, in the middle of COVID mm. to actually uh, develop, finalise and deploy. And we did that this time last year in, in the deploy category. There is, There was not, when we scoured the world, um, a product that we that fitted our brief and fitted the forward-looking um, process as to what we'd gone through strategically as to where we wanted to be five years down the track. Mm. And that is housing, you know, a digital consumption of all of your audio needs in a centralised um, capacity. Add to that the fact that, yes, there are some products out there that are under licence, but you don't control it, you can't modify it. There's been classic examples of this from going back to the 7 Yahoo model mm. of the 9 MSN. You're not in control of your own destiny. You can't make the changes that are applicable to the to your community or your geography. Um, and what we did see we didn't like. They, they were built on pretty old technology. I'm sure they'll improve, but we wanted to start afresh. We wanted the ability to influence our own future and fundamentally gather pace with good partners. Now, you know, I wouldn't suggest we're going to sit here and in 12 months' time I'm going to be saying we've invested another five more equity plays uh, because I think we'll be able to partner more often with tech than we will necessarily have to get into an equity position. Um, but we'll take that on balance as we move forward. So, Brian, by all accounts so far, it sounds like our listeners working. The thing Grant will be keeping his eye on is, is the investors is, okay, so are we monetizing here? So how is that going? How was the market response to listener when you launched versus the conversations you're having today? And uh, is it has it changed? It, it's changed in the sense that we've offered up some scale. So it's a lot easier to get a dialogue running um, when you're offering something meaningful that can move the needle for a brand. What is it absolute numbers you're working on here in terms of scale? Well, on a monthly basis, you've got just under 3 million people listening to one of our podcasts. You've got just under 2 million people streaming a service. Um, and, you know, um, they're pretty mainstream numbers. And if you look at our sort of un unduplicated reach across both those formats, um, you know, we've got the same kind of size audiences uh, as Spotify does in the ad funded space, for example. Right. And between us and, and, and Spotify and our other um, radio businesses and so forth that are actually doing the same similar sorts of work, uh, you've now got a very, very scaled digital audio marketplace. Um, so I think what you're going to see over the next sort of 12, 18 months is that sort of BVOD kind of impact as uh, Money is really starting to ramp. Well, you have talked about a J curve. Yeah, and it's there. Our advertiser numbers have almost tripled. Um, our revenue over the last sort of eighteen months or so is, is three times what it was in digital. In digital, and you take things like um, you know, what I, I suppose the only surprises to that is where the money's coming from because I think I think the 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 move to premium digital audio has been actually the surprise for me. Um, podcasting is just in a world of its own in relation to um, advertiser interest because of the level of engagement um, that the consumer has with those especially choose-to-listen type events. And that's been fascinating. And what's been beautiful for us is because of the listener platform, a large percentage of our total listening is uh, measurable for us through the platform. So we can see what kind of people, what kind of demographics, what kind of geolocations and so forth are coming through in the podcast audience, which you might remember has been one of the criticisms of podcasting is that it's a blunt instrument in that sense. But for us, it isn't. We've got insight. And as we start to tune in this um, CDP, those insights are going to become um, far broader. As we introduce um, bring your own data kind of propositions for brands and um, second third-party data strategies through the CDP, 
the value proposition around podcasting is just going to get more and more. What is the market liking most around listener at the moment in terms of the audience profile and the sort of executional capabilities that you can do? What's resonating um, early and fast w- yeah, with so advertisers? The revenue is telling you that they love the premium association with digital audio, so it's a real, a real podcast driver. There's another layer below that, which is kind of the traded layer, um, which is the the streaming, you know, in-stream audio piece. And that's starting to kind of become more appealing because more players are actually adding into that pot. So we've done a lot of that heavy lifting um, around, um, you know, pushing out um, private markets and programmatic in the digital audio space and, you know, um, you know, adding um, programmatic or digital audio in-stream advertising packages into our broadcast packages and we've been doing that now for a very long time. For a, a radio buyer or an audio, what, what has been a classic radio or broadcast buyer, for them to think, okay, when 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 the phone moves in at, certain, at a certain velocity, that means someone's running, we can do a Rebel Sport ad, that sort of mindset wouldn't be there at the moment. No, see, there's a lot of education to be done about how we can add, add value into that digital audio stream. That's all coming. That's all coming. And there's a lot of interest. There's a lot of attention being paid to that. Um, Some, some uh, of the the consortium groups are very focused on this space and um, they're very willing, um, you know, participants in testing and all the rest of it. So there's the the, the campaign activity that just sort of rolls off the back of approved campaigns across multi-platforms is just BAU. But there's a lot of um, experimentation and interest in, in these new spaces, particularly where they're sort of data-led creative executions. Frequency is going to land pretty big, I think, over the next 12 months as a product. Any, any standout case studies there, named or category or unnamed? The Grey Goose stuff we did over Christmas, which has got binaural properties associated with it. It's a really high-end audio, um, but distributed in a really beautifully targeted manner and um, and really well-produced um, on-demand audio component. And that worked? Yes, absolutely. Just Picking up from um, what BG just put forward there, the core of the design of Listener was premium audio content and Australian premium audio content. So we've got 108 podcasts that are premium in nature and therefore are resonating with the marketplace, both at consumers and advertiser level. They can recognise of them. We're now starting to grow that premium nature and fill out categories or genres that we think need even more product within them. Uh, because our ambition for the growth in the market and the growth in our own revenue can't be sustained with just 100 podcasts. It'll have to be more because there's certain segments within a personalised feed that might need to be filled in the future by a new author or a new talent that tells a different story. And that person wants more of that. So we have to identify, procure and secure that on the way through. But I can tell you, you know, Network 10, we've recently announced that we're now the custodians of working with 10 in a co-development capacity as much as a representation of what they've got. With its podcast, you mean? Or? With its podcast. Yep. And right. we'll look at new product across their uh, entire content suite to see what we think will resonate in terms of uh, new podcasts that relate to the content that is must-see TV on the way through that water cooler talk. Just, just on that. So why has 10 done, why have you done, why have 10 and you got together to do that? I think two reasons. One, we are experts and, and um, you know, specialists in the in the digital audio category. Uh, I don't think 10 would proclaim to be that. They are experts in their own world of video uh, and distribution of that video. Uh, and secondly, we are good partners and affiliates with them. So it was a natural extension to that relationship. 
But I was going on to say we're starting to identify international premium players like the BBC, and we've onboarded the BBC in the last 12 months. We brought sports media into play, which is the Culture Club and 7am. So people are saying, thank you, um, your model resonates with us, where you can monetize it through Brian's team better than we could in isolation. You may be able to help develop and curate a better product than we might be able to do with the resources that we have at hand, but we still have great ideas. And we want to lean in and make those come come to life. Just on the BBC, Grant, is that is that an exclusive content alliance, or is it you? Uh, how does that work? What does that look like with the BBC? And you're monetizing what you carry on the BBC, or for all of the BBC? Yeah, the way I'd answer that is to say that we have a look at their entire library of content. We've categorised the style of content that we most appealing to Australian audiences, and then within that, we've looked at different genres that we have a need for. And to that end, we have a book of content that we will get from uh, the BBC and we can change that at any point. So it's a ongoing licence to actually monetize that content in that premium nature that Brian you know, executes on a daily basis. So more international or content from abroad coming than I, I, I expect? Absolutely. We're talking to international players all around the globe. We've started with the BBC, but we're now talking to many others. Who do they include? And I'm not going to tell you who they include. I tried. However... More people are coming to us and saying, you know, we are aware of this brand. It is resonating within a, you know, a, a primary market in the uh, around the globe, being Australia, um, and that you are leaders in innovation and we would like to be a party to that. But in the first instance, let us understand it. Maybe we'll go through a trial. No different to what's happening domestically with sport. With Cricket Australia, the AFL and the NRL are all entrusting us under licence to actually monetise uh, a digital audio feed. Not only will we do that, we'll create new bespoke products that will be exclusive to listener that you won't hear on radio and you can't hear anywhere else. And that becomes quite compelling and actually once again builds that momentum and certainly builds credibility in the content arena. The story all sounds very upbeat and um, and sanguine. W- what is possible in the next 12 months in terms of audience growth, streaming numbers and so forth, and, and revenue? So what are you, Brian Gallagher, I'll take your crystal ball on that one. What, what would be ideal? I think we're on track to sort of double where we're at in terms of audience size. Um, and, you know, revenue is coming along um, at the same pace. When I think about when we bring that CDP fully online, that, that process is underway and we really start, you know, harnessing the power of that data and the very large sort of signed-in audio users that we've got, we're really going to be able to make our case for the mobilisation of audio and how effective that is, um, you know, uh, as a vehicle. You're... Pinning a lot on the customer data platform, that's because, one, it's a central repository of everything, and then you can really get a single view of what a, a user or listener is doing and then build out strategy and an analytics from there. Is that why am I making stuff up there? Or is that- no, you're absolutely right. And and our, our key concern with everything we do on the, on the sales side of this business is making sure that what we present to the market works for the customers and that the, you know, the brands really get a kick out of, out of what we're doing for them. And um, return on investment is critically important um, in the minds of marketers. And if we're sitting there at the get-go um, with, um, you know, a clear view of who we're reaching and, and how effective they can be and we're following that up with, um, uh, you know, um, attribution tools, which we are, it makes us a preferred partner in the marketplace. That's pretty critical for us. So I think that just that natural growth of a data-led 
kind of digital audio story is really exciting. And um, the, the other thing that sort of spins my wheels is the um, industry move uh, to the hybrid audience measurement system, which is going to allow us to talk about our broadcast properties and our audio digital audio properties in the same breath. Update on time on, on timeline for that? Later this year before yeah. we start getting meaningful data, which is a, a huge thing for the industry at large. Mm. Grant, uh, Brian talks about a doubling of revenues and audience. Is that something the CEO is happy with? Most definitely. I think we're still at the early stages of what is an emerging marketplace. We only have to look to the US to actually look at the step change that's occurring in the US. So what was a cottage industry uh, became a mainstream industry. And now, you know, we're seeing a rate of acceleration that is far superior to what we've seen the last three to four years coming out of the US. I think we're poised in Australia to actually adopt a not dissimilar um, trajectory on the way through. I think doubling consumption uh, will be the least of our problems as long as we continue to invest in premium content and we market it effectively and efficiently. And we're doing both of those things. Um, in terms of monetization, on Brian's point, the education of what is, you know, this mainstream marketplace now of digital audio um, has to be embedded into the way in which advertisers and agencies talk, plan and deploy their, their investment. And I think that's where a lot of work, it's not too different to Boomtown. We knew regional audiences were there. We know net migration's up. We know the economics are looking better but still we have to educate um, and nearly teach what we know and share that um, such that people can appreciate it and then contextualise it. Just out of interest on the audience um, time spent or the engagement time, where, where is that time spent coming from? If, if you've got a big surge in, in, in consumption and you're podcasting and you're, and you're, you're streaming and through listener full stop, what are they not doing as a result of coming to Listener? So we're, what we're looking at is net audience growth actually across all of our platforms, which is actually really critically important to us. Um, so we're not we're not losing broadcast radio listeners, but there's a you know a whole sort of you know owned music category that um, has kind of shrunk down over the course of the last few years. Um, there's choices about whether you want to listen to your subscription music channel or you want to pick up a podcast by name. The market's growing. Yeah. You know, th this is not a replacement of something I used to do. It's a supplement to what I've always done. So you're arguing, both of you are arguing that this is, this is not a parallel of what's happening with linear television going to BVOD and BVOD, where linear television audiences are declining, uh, BVOD's picking up. This is, we're not seeing the same pattern here in, in audio and radio. I think the industry's recently put out, CRA's recently put out that audiences over the last 12 months have grown 1.2%. Over everything. That's in commercial radio. So 1.2% growth, whilst we've seen more than a doubling of consumption across digital audio. Right. I think we'll have to be very careful as we move forward. Do, will we see more consumption of digital audio radio through a digital device? than a linear device, absolutely. And are we encouraging that? Yes, we are, because there's not too many new radios in a physical form being developed, but there is a new digital receiver um, being developed every day and people are upgrading them most days. So to that end, you know, if we see a changing consumption from listening through a particular device that's unconnected um, to a connected device, I think that uh, creates a nice bridge um, that we embrace. But secondly, the benefits that we get from a digital device with a back channel 
that we can, uh, you know, improve our data set and understanding and therefore do everything that Brian's put forward. That's getting to a state of utopia. So we have to keep developing the product. We have to keep investing in content, premium content, and we actually have to cull what we see as not premium um, because it gets in the way of developing the next premium uh, activation, whatever that might be, uh, or onboarding the next person. And we'd be naive to say that listener today represents all of the interests of consumers on a personalised level within Australia. It'd be like saying Netflix is the only streaming service you need. Exactly. So you do need to continually drive that. So I think consumption is uh, a really positive problem to have and the industry will address it. I think the fact that we are leaning more in and taking a leadership position in terms of digital audio and the education in market and the monetization of it. And we have running partners in Australia and they are Spotify uh, and they are HTE, who's developed a product very different by nature to what Listener is. But nevertheless, we are together building a marketplace and people are seeing that as a very investable medium. This is ultimately, though, about rewiring SCA from a sort of a legacy media company to a digital uh, business. And with that, is the investment community getting that yet? Is it getting it yet, Grant, or is it still coming? Once again, I think the investment community are thirsty for more information and more data on the way through. Um, we will do that in a few weeks' time at our half-year results. We'll do it at our investor days. We'll do it at our, our annual reports, etc. So the industry is starting to recognise this shift. And the shift, by the way, has precedence. Brian mentioned linear to BVOD in TV. We've seen the digitisation of outdoor. We've seen the um, you know, uh, appreciation of a digital mindset and transformation versus a linear business on an ongoing level. Radio and audio is going through that transformation on a whole. So people are seeing the parallels with other industries. We're not the first to do it in the digitisation, but we are accelerating as an industry very cohesively, um, marketed under CRA, um, and to that end, we're building marketplaces at scale. And that digital transformation, I think, is not only necessary and expected, but it creates more opportunity than we ever had in a linear capacity. Frankly, we're just going where the customers want to go. That's that's one aspect of it. And it's probably worth men- mentioning in summary um, of all of that, that our own internal modelling shows that not too far down the track, the share of total listening that's digital will be greater than the share of broadcast listening, but all, overall listening is up. That's, I think, um, so that's 12 to 18 months away? That, that is the initial modelling we've got, so 2024 sort of time so That's frame. what my modelling shows too. And I think it'll happen sooner, sooner than that time. I think it'll surprise us on the upside. But there's no question, what we're talking about here is, you know, a high level of growth and a development of listener at pace. The question is, how high can we make it? So final question for both of you is um, what's next? What, we can, what can we expect from both you, uh, in, in, you know, from, a, from a corporate level and from the ad side of the business, Brian, and, and also um, a take from each of you on the volatility in the ad market or the market full stop? So, so what are you, what's, your ta- what's your sort of crystal ball? Right now what's happening today is not a kind of a bellwether of where things are going because right now we've got a very reactive market and it's reacting to the latest strain. Um, We've had, you know, two or three false starts of recovery. Mm. Each of those starts has been actually quite robust in terms of, um, you know, advertisers coming back to the market. 
Um, you know, we've got a, a Fed government announcement that, you know, international travel's back on the agenda. That brings with it so many other kind of parts of the ecosystem. That's the starter's gun for like recovery number four. This one might sustain for a little while longer. What we'll see there is the return of SMEs to the uh, to a growth rate, um, and then and national advertisers, you know, taking advantage. Um, we've got a federal election coming up. Um, we've got uh, a great deal of um, combativeness to, to to see unfold in that. Um, and so my take on the rest of this fiscal year, where you know. Um, July to June, it's going to be a bit of a free-for-all. Free-for-all being? There's going to be money right. around. Okay. And I think um, given the appetite for business to get back into some sense of normality and for consumers to get out um, and, um, and, uh, and, and be in the marketplace, I mean, that should be something that um, sees 2022 as being quite a, a sound year. Grant Blackley, at a corporate level, what do we expect? And there's rumblings of television, your TV stuff, uh, TV um, operations being potentially on the block. Is that true? And what do you think? What's your thinking there? I'll take the first question, which is the holistic high level question. Uh, what should you expect from SCA? You should expect more innovation. You should expect uh, a very disciplined and focused approach as to what we do across every element of our business, as we've always proven. Um, we want to build, you know, sustainable, profitable new products. If we can't do that, we shouldn't be in the game uh, on the way through. So the transformation has been dramatic and will continue. Um, but we have to continue at pace with an eye to making sure that what we're building lasts us in the future uh, as well as it is in the present. Um, in terms of TV, yes, there was an article um, uh, the other day. Listen, the TV assets, as I said uh, this time last year, and I probably said the year prior, it remains an integral part of our suite of products um, that we continue. I can't stop uh, a journo asking me a question as to whether the assets are, are currently uh, in the market being um, you know actively sold, of which my answer was no. And I can't stop you know someone printing, you've recently appointed uh, an advisor, which we actually did 18 months ago, um, to work with us on a holistic position as to how SCA is pushed forward. And I may have explained that to the journalist, but I still can't uh, see why Denying that still ends up as a, a headline right. on the way through. Bloody journos. We know that, you know, uh, 80% of our earnings comes from audio. So, and we've got TV, which is effectively a light touch asset. We have transformed TV um, into a product that fundamentally the thing that we do best is sell it. And the power ratios that Brian and his team deliver are best in market. So, you know, that is a... Not a set and forget, but it's not far from it. Oh, look, we're continually developing. I mean, we've just finalised a deal with um, Wind Television to represent their Northern New South Wales ten affiliation and the JV we have in Tasmania. So we're not we're not going to completely stand still on it. We're going to develop where we can. Yeah, and we utilise that asset of TV to enrich our products of audio. Um, you know, through cross-marketing um, and the rest of it, which is a tried-and-true form. If the right money was thrown at you, you would. Uh, you would. No one would Listen, be I'm silly. Duty I'm duty-bound as an officer of the company. If, you know, my shareholders would expect that anyone who presents themselves, and they do present themselves for parts of our audio business, parts of it, and for our TV business, they do come along and present themselves and say, I'm an interested party and, yes, I'd like to engage. Whether they ever get through that front door, or well, that screening process is a separate issue. But yes, I am duty bound to talk to 
all and everyone, and I actually do that. There's a bit of hot money in the, out there, though. I mean, they look at Grant Broadcasting going, what, 300 mils? That, that's a fairly healthy number, isn't it? That's, there's an appetite there from someone to, to still stay. And, and I think it was a fair number for the buyer and the seller. Right. Um, remembering that this asset hadn't come to market for over 40 years. Mm. Um, it is the only opportunity for um, you know, our competitor to be, become a national player. And to anyone that I've spoken to, I've endorsed um, that as a, a good deal and strategically positive deal. And I'm delighted that you've got SCA and HTE as two national networks carving out a national conversation with, with an emerging and growing digital audio framework. I think that's great that there's two voices in market talking as one. Um, and I think that really does resonate with the marketplace. The market needs scale and it needs simplicity. And what we're seeing is that scale and simplicity. So, you know, if someone wants to acquire our business, we're a publicly listed company, um, you know, they can put an offer forward and we'll dutifully go through the process of evaluating that. Just to make sure it's a good number if they're going to try, I guess that's well, your point. it needs to be because we believe we have a, a growth uh, profile, a prospect. Uh, we are a transformational business from what has been a traditional linear business into a uh, more, as you rightly put forward, a digital audio business moving forward. So, you know, we've got a lot of faith in our, our people, the products we produce and our future. Uh, the issue is how can we scale that in a shorter time frame to meet the expectations of some of our shareholders? Well, it's a really, really interesting update, and I, I can't wait to see what happens in six months, 12 months' time with all this, because it does seem like, you know, we are seeing some uh, some big transitions. Grant Blackley, Brian Gallagher, thanks for joining. We will be back for an update, I'm sure. Look forward to it. This MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer, Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.